Well, hey, Venture, good morning. That was pretty good for 9 a.m. If you can't hear them online, this room is alive and uh, excited about what God is doing in this space. It's great to see you. If you're here physically, I love seeing you here. If you're joining us online today, I'm grateful to see you as well. Hey, welcome to week two of our Becoming Us series. Kyle just teased that out just a little bit. If you were here last week, you heard me talking about a, a TV show called This Is Us. Be honest, how many of you Googled that last week or did some digging last week? You thought about that show, you thought about looking into it. Uh, well, you have to wait a little bit because I think the season premiere isn't until the beginning of next year. But I was talking about that show and saying I, I think like a better title for that is actually not This Is Us, but Becoming Us, because there's kind of a, a now and a not yet quality to the storytelling of that particular TV show. They jump back and forth between like childhood and present day and even future tense, now and not yet. We're becoming us. And so this is a three-week series, and we're talking about how venture, how we are becoming us. By the way, if you did not uh, you did not join us for worship last week, I would encourage you, please go back and check that out because there's some good things to know and good things. We all want to be on the same page at the same time. This three-week series, last week, the title of the sermon was Who We Are. The title of this week's message is Where We're Going. And the title of next week's message is, of course, Hills Will Die On. If you're into strat ops, you'll recognize this, who we are. Last week, we talked about the mission of our church. And this week, actually, we're talking about the vision of our church, where we're going. This is the title of the message today. Next week, the title, of course, is Hills Will Die On, and we're going to talk about the core values, those things that won't change. It's kind of like this is who we are on these hills we'll die on. We choose to die on. So last week, let's recap our mission. I hope you spent some time this past week thinking about this. Here at Venture, we are real people, and we spent a whole lot of time last week talking about what's it mean to be real what do real people look like? How do real people, real Christians, how are we designed to even to act when we're out in the world interacting with the world around us? And here at Venture, we define it this way. We choose to be loving courageously. This last week, did, where did you step into courage and love someone the way that Jesus calls you to do just that? Here we're real people loving courageously. We're sharing generously. We want to be a church that's known by our generosity. You just heard Kyle talk about that just a bit ago. By the way, I've been so encouraged. Several of you have approached me. I mentioned this last week. Two weeks ago, I did one of those where in the world sermons where we're like popping up all over the world. And two weeks ago, I was down in Mexico via video, of course. You joined in on that conversation. You learned about a need down in La Biznaga, Mexico, a hospital that's partway built. They need a roof to go over the top of it. And there's a price tag on that of about $35,000. And uh, several of you had approached me about that and said, hey, how could we be a part of that? Well, 
We're kind of working out the details still, but we're planning to do a generosity initiative surrounding that. Stay tuned. More information will be coming next week or weeks following. But if you're interested in diving in on that and you want to be a part of sharing it generously, be thinking about that, be praying about that this week. We're real people, loving courageously, sharing generously, and speaking truthfully. We want to let our yes be yes and our no be no. We want to speak the truth in love. This is who we are. This week, we're talking about a vision of where we're going. Vision is painting a picture of a preferred future. And for our church, this is a brilliant time to be talking about vision. Oh my goodness, we've just lived through a global pandemic. We went through a leadership transition, a large leadership transition uh, a couple of years ago. Actually, I got a text this past week. Some of you know Pastor Mark Wright very well. We retired him as our 30-year pastor two years ago this past week. And he and I did some texting back and forth this past week, just kind of looking back on the last two years and celebrating that moment together. That's been two years ago. We should be talking about vision right now. Listen, there are weeks when I write a sermon introduction, and there are weeks when my sermon introduction just kind of writes itself, if you know what I mean. That's what happened this past week. I want to introduce you to my eye doctor. We're talking about vision today. This is Dr. Pickett. She's been an incredible eye doctor for our family for about 15 years now. About the time we moved up to this side, the north side of Indianapolis, uh, we had a whole bunch of kids. We have five kids, and at that time they were tiny. And we had some eyesight issues. She has journeyed through some, th- through some things together with our family, including one of my boys got glasses when he was tiny like a toddler. And we got him in these prescription glasses, and he would take them off his face, and he would tie them up in a knot, you know, kind of like a pretzel, and he'd hand them to mom, look what I did. And so mom would take the eyeglasses, and Don would go in and see Dr. Pickett, and we bought the insurance after the first time. And they got really good at fixing all that, because he was so tiny, he didn't understand what that would. Anyway, we've been journeying together with her for a while. I went in this past week because it had been, she reminded me, two and a half years since I had been into the eye doctor. That's a problem. I have a very high prescription. Actually, I went in to see her then. It had been a while at that point, but I lost a contact lens in my backyard about the same time that I was being announced to venture as your new lead pastor. I was in my backyard and I lost one of my contacts. I think the first sermon that I preached here, I actually was wearing one old pair of contact lenses in my eye. And I went in to see her and I, got, uh, I had just gotten on new insurance and got a new set of eye lenses, contact lenses. Well, it had been two and a half years, and so while I was in there, She did this thing. She said, hey, Stan, it's been a while, and you have such a high prescription, we probably should be doing this more often. We need to dilate your eyes. Anybody know what this is all about? Does anybody know they fit you with this beautiful set of, like, like iconic fashion eyewear? I took a photo of myself once I got back out to the truck. So those wraparound kind of goofy-looking glasses, oh, my goodness. This was a comedy of errors. She said, we're going to dilate your eyes. Okay, can I still see? Yeah, you'll be able to see like long range. It just affects your short and your mid-range vision. Well, if you were driving around like 116th Street and Meridian Street uh, around the noon hour, lunch hour last Tuesday, I probably should apologize to you because I probably should not have been driving. It was over the lunch hour. I had planned it to be that because I had a busy day. And so over my lunch hour, I I squeezed this appointment in, and then I went to grab a bite of uh, food real quick to eat at a place I had been to one time. 
I walked in. The place was busy. I had a hard time even driving and parking, and, and I got parked, and I walked in, and uh, it was loud, and the gal who was taking my order, it was one of those, like, you order at the window, kind of like a fancy chipotle, and uh, I don't think English was her native language, so we were having a bit of an issue. I couldn't see the menu. <laughs> what do you want as the base? I, I don't know. Uh, I'll take that, and then you move on down the line. And what do you want your size? I just said, throw it all on there. I don't care. I walk outside, and I sit down. I really can't see what I'm eating. It was delicious, but I really don't know what I ate. <laughs> That's not the worst of it. Because before I climbed in and snapped this photograph, actually, I had just paid my bill at the eye doctor, and I'd used the restroom on the way in. I knew where they were, and I had had more than one cup of coffee that morning. I needed to use it again on my way out, and I walked in. My first clue was, man, these walls are awfully pink. <laughs> and where's the urinal? I was in the ladies' room. And in that moment, thank goodness nobody else was in there, but I panicked. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, news story at 11, local area pastor arrested for being, oh my goodness. I turned around and I, I, I took a left when I should have taken a right. I zigged when I should have zagged and I ended up in the wrong space. All of that to say, can we agree, vision, it's pretty important, right? We need to see, to have eyes to see where we're going where God is calling us as a faith community to go together. So are you ready? Do you want to see this new vision statement? It's been 18 months in the making. A group of leaders worked on this together. We've been praying over this, and it's kind of been crock-potting for 18 months. Maybe you noticed it today when you walked into the lobby. It was up on the bulkhead. Quick test. How many of you noticed that that looked at all different? A few of you did. Here's our vision statement. Venture home. Venture home. Where we seek Jesus and we see you. We're going to spend the rest of our time today unpacking what that means. You might want to pull your phone out and snap a photo of that. Because I want you to think about this and pray through this. We've got years to unpack this together, what this means for us as a faith community. But venture home where we seek Jesus and we see you. Vision implies sight. Vision is looking ahead and seeing a preferred future. This reminds me of the great commandment, seeking and seeing. We seek Jesus and we see you. The great commandment is found in Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, this stuck-up group of religious elite. The Pharisees, another group similar, got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus. Tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He's trying to get him with a gotcha question. And Jesus replied, love the Lord. Love the Lord your God with your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, love God and love others. Our vision statement is a restatement of that. Love God, love others. Seek Jesus, see you. Venture home where we seek Jesus 
and we see you. Have you ever noticed the memes? Well, it's more of a hashtag movement on social media right now. It's this phrase, I feel seen, or hashtag, I feel seen. It's kind of been a thing over the last couple of months, and I did a search this past week, and I wanted to show you a few of these that have popped up. It illustrates there's this, inside of our culture, this deep longing to be seen. We seek Jesus. We see you. Here's one, for example. It's kind of a meme that's been shared here, and the hashtag is I feel seen. Also, hashtag sports balls. This is somebody who's not a sporty person. Actually, in her name, it's somebody, the librarian. And here it is. Doctor, do you exercise? Me. Oh, yeah, I do all of them. The push-offs the plonks, and the doctor, no response. Me, crunchies? Doctor, I'm just going to put no, you don't exercise. Me, okay, hashtag, I feel seen. Check this one out. I may look fine, but deep down I don't remember any of my passwords. (laughs) Hashtag, I feel seen. How about this one? This is timely for today. This is me wearing earrings, glasses, earphones, and a mask. My ears. Do you want me to hold my bag too? I feel seen. How about this one? Online shopping for three hours and then closing all the tabs and not buying anything is one of my favorite hobbies. I feel seen. Here's another one. This one's from a mama, I think. I feel seen. Never have I felt so seen as a parent as the first time I saw the the back seat of the car in Bluey. I didn't know what this show was. I had to ask some of the young parents in our church about this one, but apparently that's a messy back seat, and anyway, I feel seen. How about this one? Why are you so quiet? What's on your mind? Me, inside the mind bubble here. I like to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. If you're a parent, a young parent, you recognize that. Hashtag, I feel seen. And the next picture I think I've got here, two kids is two kids, but three kids is 15. Hashtag, I feel seen. That reminded me actually of a photo. We just had Gotcha Day in our family. We celebrated Gotcha Day. And uh, a picture of when our kids were little. Five kids, five and under, all in a shopping cart together. Hashtag, I feel seen. There's something right here. There's something on a deep deep level. Even in a joke, we're joking about this, but somebody cares about me because of this joke, I feel seen. And we share it. And we're asking the question when we share that, do you see me? Do you understand the struggles that I'm going through in my life? I need to feel seen. I think we ask the same question, even those of us who don't know Jesus yet. God, Do you really see me in my darkest struggle? Do you see me in my hurts and my habits and my hang-ups? Abraham, if you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, one of the early characters, his name is Abraham. He felt seen. He recognized that God, Jehovah God, that he chose to worship with his entire life, and he passed this worship along to the generations behind him. He saw God as a provider Abraham felt seen. By the way, he learned that God is not just a see a need God. He's a see and fill a need God. 
God knows you deeper than just your need. He knows what's really underneath that need in your heart. If you studied the Old Testament, perhaps you would know that there's a whole bunch of names for God in the Old Testament. You've got El Shaddai. If you grew up in the 80s like I, I did, you probably remember the Amy Grant song that's talking about this is Lord God Almighty. El Shaddai, El Elyon, this is the most high God. You've got Adonai, this is Lord, Master. You've got Yahweh, God. This is the Tetragrammaton. This is, uh, 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 the, the word Yahweh gets Latinized to the word Jehovah. And in churches all around the world, they worship, they sing, Oftentimes the word we use for God that we pull straight out of the Old Testament is this word Jehovah. It comes from Yahweh. And you've got an, a, like a modifier on this. Every time Jehovah is shared in the Old Testament, the ancient Hebrews, they believed God was so other. They believed that he was so reverent. They didn't even want to say his name. Yahweh, there are some ancient Hebrews actually that believe that this is the very breath of God in his name. Yahweh. So Jehovah, Yahweh, usually has a modifier along with it that describes an attribute of God, who he is. You've got Jehovah Nisi, this means the Lord is my banner. You've got Jehovah Ra, which means the Lord is my shepherd. You've got Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord that heals. You've got Jehovah Shama, this is that the Lord is there. Jehovah Shalom means the Lord is peace. Jehovah Saboth means the Lord of hosts. And then you've got Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. God is a provider. We gain even through our losses. This doesn't make any sense. God is a provider in your life. Here's the deal. He sees deeply into your heart. This word combined together, Jehovah Jireh, we really find it one time in the Old Testament. There's some modifier words, but Combined together, we find it in the story in Genesis chapter 16, or 22, rather, beginning with verse 1 and 2. Follow along here. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, Abraham replied, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Hold on to that word. We're going to define that here in just a moment. Sacrifice, sacrifice. Your only son, Isaac, him there is a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. And Abraham gets in his minivan and he turns the other direction and he goes the opposite way because, of course, that's too high of a cost, right? No way, God, can I sacrifice my only son? No. He loads up the donkey. Isaac says, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham says, well, the Lord will provide. And they make the trek toward Mount Moriah to make a sacrifice there. And listen, through 21st century years, it's really hard for us to read this story and to understand this. And to think about what in the world, God, are you doing here? We have a hard time looking past child sacrifice and the element of that to the story. Listen, I get it. But let's continue in the story. Abraham looked. We seek Jesus we see you. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. A sacrifice. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. 
So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. This is where we see the name Jehovah Jireh. Here's the thing. Abraham is similar to you and I. He had a sin problem. This was a moment of worship. Last week I talked about the great commission of the Old Testament. Abraham was called to take his, his, leave his country, his people, his father's household, and go to the land that God was going to show him. And we see the great commission. Jesus comes out of that promise. This week, this is communion in the Old Testament. The Last Supper replaced that Old Testament sacrificial system. Jesus on the cross replaced the ram caught in the thicket. He replaced the sheep that were put on the altar in the Old Testament temple sacrificial system. Jesus, the cross of Christ, replaced the need for Isaac to climb on the altar. Our sin separates us from a holy God. That was true then. It's true now. Notice in the text, Abraham literally, it says he lifted up his eyes and he looked. By the way, Moriah... This literally means, in the mount of the Lord, he, God, may be seen. Abraham, I want you to go to this space where you're going to see God. He's going to provide not just for what you think you need, but for what's underneath that, what you really need. I'm going to provide because I see you. Venture home where we seek Jesus and we see you. I hope today that you feel seen. Here's what I want to do right now. We're going to pause, and we're going to take some time right now just to soak on that truth that God sees you where you are at. If you have a hurt, if you have a habit, you have a hang-up, you have a sin problem that's separating you from a holy God, recognize right now the truth that he sees you, and let's gather around the Lord's table. And let's embrace that truth together as a faith community. Venture home where we seek Jesus and we see you. God, we bow our heads right now. We close our eyes and we recognize that you are a God who truly sees us. So we open up our hearts. We open up our minds. We acknowledge the things that separate us from you, O holy God, and we just lay them out here for you to see so that you can cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We do this right now in your name. In Jesus' name we pray together. In heaven, we sing that song as a prayer. Lord, we pray it by extension. Praise forever to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jehovah Jireh, who sees us. You see us. And then you do something about it. You step into our space. We respond in worship and we simply say, thank you. And we pray that prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat. 
We're uh, continuing in this vision message. We're calling ourselves to venture home where we seek Jesus and we see you. I left you hanging just a little bit. I, I showed you the middle and then the end photo of my doctor's visit, eye doctor's visit this past week. I snapped a photo at the very beginning of the uh, eye doctor's visit. This was before she told me she's going to put those drops in my eyes and dilate my eyes and all the goofy stuff that came out of that experience. Um, I learned something on Tuesday. I didn't know this. I've worn contacts for a very long time. Uh, actually, I have um, long, like, like, like long-range vision. They call me nearsighted so I can see far. So I've had glasses since I was like in second grade. But I learned something on Tuesday that I did not know. She said, yeah, you have long-range vision and you have close-range vision, but there's also a thing called intermediate uh, vision. And I didn't know that. This is why I couldn't see the screens when she dilated my eyes at the eye doctor, but I could see your car coming at me when I was driving down the road. She ordered some new contacts for me to help me see those things a little bit better. I'm still in denial. I'm supposed to be wearing those cheaters because I'm 46 now and I'm having an issue with short-range vision. Long-range vision, intermediate vision short-range vision. So for the, the rest of our time together today, I want to share with you as we think about our vision statement, venture home where we seek Jesus and we see you. Let's start short, let's go intermediate, and then let's cast a bit of long-range vision. Fair enough? Here we go. Short-range vision. I'm talking like right now, over the next few weeks. Here it is. Come back home. Come back home. Could I speak directly to those of you on the other side of the camera right now? Some of you, you've been joining us from a distance from your living room for, oh, about 18 months now. And I just want to say this. We, we miss you. We miss you here. I feel like it's just about every week I have a conversation out here in the lobby, which one of you, because you've had some COVID situations, you've been staying away from church perhaps for a while, maybe you're guarding the health of a loved one, and you come back into this space, and I grab you out here anytime I can, I ask you this question, how do you feel? What are you feeling right now? And I'm usually asking questions like, you know, do you feel safe here among all the people? And I can't, I can't even tell you how often this kind of a response happens when somebody looks at me and says, oh, I feel good. I've missed this. I've missed the gathering together. I mean, the ecclesia, literally the word church in Greek, it means the assembly of the saints, the called out ones, the gathering together. If you're joining us online today, I love that you're a part of our faith community and we count you. We love that you're there but we miss you here. Could I just challenge you? Could I encourage you? If you have not yet stuck your toe back in the water to come back and join us in this space, would you consider short-range vision coming back home, come back into the space and just kind of experience what the rest of us are feeling? Because here at Venture, we want to seek Jesus and literally we want to see you. Now to help us toward that end, I want to let you know we're actually changing our service times in two weeks' time. So mark your calendars right now, beginning the 29th, Sunday morning, the 29th, two weeks from today. We've had a 9 a.m. and an 11 a.m. service now for, oh, about a year. 
We're going to squeeze those together. Beginning that day, the 29th, we're going to have a 9.30 and an 11 a.m. service. Why? Well, here's the thing. As we venture home, this was a COVID response. We put our services that far apart. But way back, think like back in the fall, when we still were thinking that this virus was more like touch, kind of, uh, we've discovered it's more respiratory. But back then, we were like cleaning like crazy. And so we wanted to make sure there was time between each of the services to clean the space while we've been doing that. But here's the thing. We've missed out on the assembly of the saints. We've missed out on the ecclesia, the gathering together of the church. So as we venture home, we want to push those service times back together so that those of us, when we're leaving the 9.30 a.m., and those of us who are coming to the 9 a.m. service, we're kind of gathering together out there in the lobby. Now, what does this mean? Because there's great fellowship. We can be the church, not just in here, but be the church out there as well. Hey, listen, parents, you're going to be able to check your kid in for both hours if you want to come and be a part of like an ABF hour or you want to be a part of a serving opportunity for one of those hours. You can check your kids in for both of the hours if you so desire. Listen, kids programming and student programming will remain the same just with a different uh, first service time of 9.30 a.m. Route 56, if your kids are a part of that incredible program, that's going to be happening still at 11 a.m. And we're going to have a combined foundation class for middle school and high school uh, students as well at 11 a.m. as well. So ABFs moving forward will align to an 8.15 start time, a 9.30 start time, and an 11 a.m. start time. By the way, ABF leaders, Pastor David will be working with you to solidify your class schedules. These new service times, like I said, are going to start August 29th, 9.30, and 11. Uh, mark your calendars. And I would encourage you to come early that day and to stay late. We've got this mug wall. We worked on this during the pandemic. And some of you, if you're joining us from a distance today, you, don't, you haven't experienced that space yet. But uh, the idea is that you pick up a mug and you fill it up with a cup of coffee and you walk around and somebody's going to walk up to you and say, hey, that's my mug. I brought that and I put that on the wall. And I... You need to follow this conversation. One of these in this photo right here, uh, it says, I don't need Google because my wife already knows everything. So your job is to grab that mug and walk around, have somebody approach you and say, yeah, that's my mug, I, I brought it. And then you look closely and see if he's got a black eye. I bet he does because that's just not right. All right, so we've got the short range vision. Venture home, come back home. What else? Venture home where we seek Jesus and we see you. Let's talk more intermediate vision. This is uh, make yourself at home. That picture I just showed you out there on the mug wall, it literally says that above it. Make yourself at home. Listen, home. Home is what we want. We want our church to feel like home, healthy, happy, the kind of place where you can put your feet up and you can stay a while. And you can be in good, healthy, close community. And listen, I recognize this truth. That for some of us, home, our memories of home, they might not be all that great. Hear me. The church should be about the business of redeeming that. We should be the kind of place where you want to come, where you want to be, where you can seek Jesus and where we see you and we help you journey even closer to health in your life. Toward that end, intermediate vision, make yourself at home. You've heard us talking about it. We're going to be kicking off a spiritual growth journey, September 12th. Mark your calendars for that. 
You don't want to miss out on this opportunity. It's literally called a journey home. It's about being at home with Jesus inside of healthy community. We're going to, each one of you is going to have one of these journals and you're going to track along with it. And actually, we've had several of you submit photographs of you as a child and they're in this book. Your pastor has a picture here right on the front page here, right inside the front cover. That's me doing my best Orville Redenbacher impersonation as a little boy. I'll tell you more stories about what that picture's about and what I feel when I look at that. But I want to just read to you. This is what we're going to explore together this fall. Away from home. At some point in our lives, we've all felt like we didn't quite belong. Maybe we've been ignored at parties, uh, been called names on the playground, struggled at our jobs or relationships, or wondered if our friends only stuck around because we were the only one with a car. We don't feel at home in these situations, so we put up a good front. We try to work or impress our way into approval, and we may have gotten pretty good at it, but no matter how successful and in control the world sees us, we can still find ourselves feeling alone or exhausted by the effort. This can, and might I add, should change. A journey home. What if, what if it were possible to feel completely at home no matter where you were? What if you could always feel understood, valuable, protected, and loved like a child who is treasured? Venture home where we seek Jesus and we see you. What if you could let down your guard, get recharged, find rest and be filled with bravery and hope? And what if you could experience that place right now, right here, and every single day from now? And no matter where you are right now, you can. Here's why. Here's why. Because you are a treasured child of God. I hope you join us on this journey. It's weekend services. It's getting connected in a small group. If you're not in a small group, you should be in a small group on your way out today. We'll get you connected for those six weeks together. You don't want to miss out on this opportunity. You're going to do some individual work in this journal. This could be life transforming for some of us. I did a beta test together with some of the staff. We had a ball doing this together this past summer, late spring. I want this for you. I hope you make this an important part of your fall calendar because you are a treasured child of God. For example, you're valuable. You're valuable. There's a passage in Luke chapter 15. Check this out. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully for it until she finds it? By the way, this story is told in combination with other stories about seeking things that are lost. When she finds it, she calls her friends and the neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is much rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. As a treasured child of God, oh my goodness, you are valuable. You're also protected. Check this out, Proverbs chapter 30. Every word of God is flawless. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. You are protected. You're also loved. Check this out. This is Isaiah chapter 54. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken or my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. 
We're going to unpack all of these different things together this fall. As a treasured child of God, who you are, your identity is deeply rooted in who he is. Venture. Journey home. Welcome home where we seek Jesus and we see you. By the way, by the way, healthy things grow. As we think about a church that is designed to grow, God's church is designed to grow. As we get healthier, healthy things grow, which brings me to more longer range vision. Not too awful long, not too awful far in the distance. Venture home where we seek Jesus and we see you. Here's the third challenge. Bring someone home. Bring someone home. Not only are you a loved child of God, precious child in his sight, but there's somebody inside of your sphere of influence who desires to be loved as well. Fit your home where we seek Jesus and we see you. Here's my question. Do you see them? We're going to have years to unpack this. We're going to talk more about this in the days and weeks and months and years to come. But God has designed you to have eyes to see others. We're going to call it the one. That story we just looked at, turning the house upside down, looking for the lost coin, there's another story in there about a shepherd who leaves 99 sheep and goes after the one. Why? Because that one is lost. It's far from the shepherd and then it's far from God. Who do you have inside of your sphere of influence? You're called to bring them home. As you think about that, as you pray about that, maybe it's the neighbor across the street. Maybe it's the single mom that you know because you've done life together with her for a while. Maybe it's a coworker at work. I don't know who he places on your heart as you think about who, who's your one if you're the 99. Who is God calling you to go after, to bring them home? How's that for a long-range vision? Bring somebody home. They, they want to feel seen as well. And as God's kids, it's our job to let them be seen, to see them with the eyes of Jesus as well. As we wrap up today, would you simply stand up with me? On your way out today, would you stop by at that space in the lobby? Would you sign up to be a part of a small group? Would you sign up maybe to host a group? We need you, some of you, a small army of you who would be willing to do that. I can't wait to see what God does in us and through us as we take this journey together. Hey, some of us, we've been talking about feeling seen today. And I suspect that there's some of us in this space who we desperately desire that. Venture home where we seek Jesus and we see you. If I'm talking to you right now, if you'd like to unpack that a little bit further, if you'd like to maybe take that first step of faith into God's family, here's the deal. After the service is done, I'll be hanging out right over here under the cross. I'd love nothing more than to pray with you and encourage you toward that end. Can I pray with all of us right now? God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the vision that you've given us. I thank you for the direction that we're going. Lord, give us eyes to see to seek you, our God, and 
to see each other, to love one another well. I pray that prayer for this week as we leave this space and we go out to our mission field to put our lives on display for you, our God. And it's in your name, in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. God bless you, Venture. We'll see you back again next Sunday.